Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I'm female, and when I was 15, my mum, older sister, younger brother, myself and our dog Betty lived in a really rural area. To give you an idea of just how rural this was, the local school had a roll of 12 kids from a surrounding 150 kilometer radius. It's a long story how we ended up living out there in the first place, but thankfully we weren't there for too long. But not far from us was the turn off to a long dead end road into the hills. At the end of the road was the regional base for a notorious gang who held a lot of power in the area. We had been told by locals that they'd never had any trouble with them because they didn't like doing things in their own backyard, so to speak. But the night it happened, it was dark and it was snowing. I had changed for bed with my lights on and curtains open, never imagining that there would be anyone around to see me. I switched off the light, got into bed, and then it started. A deep, slow, raspy breathe in, a pause, then... A deep, slow, raspy breathe out. And I froze. Then little tapping noises and more breathing. At first, I honestly thought that it was coming from my bedroom cupboard and was completely paralyzed with fear. Betty started barking and growling from the lounge room and at that point, I just screamed. Mum came running in and I told her about the noises. She told me that I was being ridiculous at first and that there was probably a possum outside. They make all kinds of strange noises, as some of you probably know. And so she said that she would take Betty out and scare it away. Two things to note, too, before I go on. Firstly, Betty was a very gentle, medium-sized dog who was about as terrifying as her name. She barely barked, and before that night, I had actually never heard her growl. Secondly, my mum is pretty much a sweetheart and never really overreacts. So, I heard her put Betty on the lead and open the back door. Then, I heard simultaneously Betty making the most aggressive noises I've ever heard from an animal before, and my mum screaming, Who the heck are you? No, no! And a scuffle, and then a loud slam. I ran into the corridor and could see my mum pale and terrified, and Betty with her teeth bared, snarling and trying to get to a man on the other side of the glass door. A huge man, covered in what looked like blood, with a disfigured face and a look in his eyes that was just... I'm trying to think of the right words, but evil is close. I guess you could just say that it was obvious that he meant us harm. He started lunging against the door, even though Betty was making it pretty damn clear that he would have to get through her to get to us. I started screaming to call the police, which was actually pretty ridiculous given our location. Mum passed Betty's lead to my sister and ran for the phone screaming out, I'm calling Jack, I'm calling Jack. Jack was the nearest farmer, but suddenly the man just turned around and just sort of loped off. Jack turned up about an hour later. 
He had come across the man who was clearly on some sort of drugs. In retrospect, I'm probably guessing meth. Man had crashed his car into the ditch by the turnoff. Because the guy was apparently affiliated with the gang, and Jack valued his life, he had to help the guy to get his car out and send him on his merry way. And after that, we moved in with friends the next day and left the area within weeks. There are so many unfortunate things about that night too, because... There are so many fortunate things about that night too, because, well, firstly, Betty for sure saved our lives. Mum is a very small lady, and if Betty hadn't reacted the way that she did, he would have got into our house right away for sure. He actually didn't keep trying to get in. It was a flimsy door, and I know dog attacks are nothing to sniff at, but the guy was absolutely ginormous, and probably in drug-induced psychosis too, so... I don't like to think about what could have happened if he'd actually gotten in. Thirdly, he either wasn't armed or somehow didn't think to use his weapon. And finally, he had gone back to his car to get a weapon. But thankfully, Jack and his shotgun found him first. So first things first, I think we need a little bit of context for this story. My old house was pretty pumped up on security. We had finger ID, passcodes on doors, cameras pretty much everywhere, an automatic security system that could call the police or play fake, the cops have been called, blah blah blah. In other words, we thought that we were pretty safe. This story happened a few years back though. My dad noticed a sort of a weird looking man pretty covered up lurking on the street just outside of our house one day. We didn't think anything of it since sometimes you get the occasional drunk or high person just wandering around anyway. But this man started to inch closer to our house, first being on the opposite side of the street, then before we knew it, being basically on our property. We just sort of watched him to see what he would do. I'm pretty sure he got bored and walked away and just forgot, but then we started to hear strange noises coming from downstairs where our front door was. We decided to switch on the camera and sure enough, this guy is banging on our door trying to get in. Then he looks through a window. He gives up and then starts to go around the side. There was a set of stairs that led to the upper area where we were. He starts to head up the stairs which sent my dad to go out of the side of the house where he was with a knife and scream at him. This guy runs and we don't see him again. End of story, right? Wrong. So this guy comes back again. I guess that he saw that the car was gone from the driveway or something. My dad had actually gone to get something, leaving me and my mum there, and he looks around. We didn't want to confront this guy, obviously, so I had the idea of playing the fake cop alert that could be heard outside. So we played it, and as soon as this guy heard it, he ran like his life depended on it. We never saw him again after that, and we never want to. But what makes this story much, much creepier is on the news later it was showed that there was a guy who lurked around houses and was actually killing people in the area and that he'd been arrested. And I got a good look at this guy's face. I'm pretty sure that it was the same man who was at our house. When I was in 8th grade, neither of my parents would be home when I got home, which was alright because I had my own house key. It was a pretty far walk from the bus stop to my house though, about 10 houses away, and I was the only one who would walk in this direction too. One day, I reach my porch and I'm looking for my key in my bag, when all of a sudden I see a guy who I didn't recognize coming up my driveway. He stops about 15 feet away from me and asks... Hey, would you like to meet my daughter sometime? She looks about your age. You can come to my house and meet her now if you want. Uh, no thank you, I say nervously. Are you sure? She's really sweet, and we're ordering pizza later. He comes closer. I waste no time. I pick up a rock from the flower bed, and I hurl it. A perfect hit too, right in his forehead. While he winces in pain, I throw another one and this time he actually drops unconscious. 
I go into my house, call emergency services, and an ambulance and police arrive shortly after. The ambulance takes him away and police ask me what happened. I tell the full story. I tell my parents about the incident when they get home too. They're obviously shocked but relieved. Eventually, we get in contact with law enforcement again and find out that the man was actually likely the pedophile who had been kidnapping other girls returning home from their bus stops. And apparently, I'm the only one of those girls who was alive today. If I had actually not injured him, he might still be on the loose today. And for that reason, I'll never feel bad for throwing either of those rocks, even if they might have killed him. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I'd gone to visit my friend in the psych ward with her mother. Of course, I'm not going to actually name the place, but they were very strict with their rules for the safety of their patients and the visitors too. So I wasn't actually allowed to see her because she was heavily medicated. And also I wasn't on the list of approved individuals who could see her. I was told to wait, and since I didn't want to sit in the waiting room, I decided to head outside. The lawn was pretty well maintained and peaceful. There was only really a gardener outside, just chopping some hedges towards the left, but he was pretty far away. Apart from him, I couldn't see anybody else on the lawn at the moment. There were a couple of chairs around, though, so I decided to sit down and wait for around 10 to 15 minutes, when one of the receptionists came outside. She told me that she took a little break and was in desperate need of some fresh air. They were apparently running short on staff or something, so she would work extra hours and would also make rounds with the caretakers. We had a nice little conversation about a, a cat that was walking around and how she was an absolute sweetheart, and all the staff there adored this cat. I then proceeded to tell her about my uncle's cat that bit my toe for pretty much no reason, and we had a pretty good laugh at that. She was about to say something about... Uh, vacation I think that she had planned soon as things eased up at work or something when she was cut off by this very intense shrill scream. We both turned our heads to the lawn where there was this little girl no more than 12 or so frantically trying to scratch away this caretaker who was with her. The instant that I looked at her too I just got chills and you know it's really hard to explain this because I didn't feel threatened or anything but it was just a, a really strange feeling. The girl was in her greyish hospital gown, of course, and was literally screaming on the top of her lungs and lunging towards the caretaker guy trying to get him away from her. Now, all this while the guy just stands there, unfazed by the screaming or the scratching, he just stands, not even moving. Imagine someone trying to attack you and you just sort of stand there with a blank look on your face. And that's what this was like. I was actually about to point this out to the receptionist that how odd the guy is when she darts towards this girl. She holds both her arms tightly and starts to say some words to the girl over and over. I couldn't make out what she was saying and didn't even sound like a, a real language. And she mumbled a lot too, but the girl had finally stopped screaming, although obviously still panicked. This whole time, the guy just stands there, not even helping the receptionist calm the girl down. After all this ordeal was over and done with, the receptionist walked towards my direction with the little girl's hand clutched tightly. She was clearly very disturbed and all wide-eyed with tears running down her face and some drool too, absolutely terrified. 
but the receptionist had a strange look on her face as if I'd seen something that I wasn't supposed to and gave me a very sort of apologetic smile as she passed by me and took the girl inside. And it hadn't even been long enough that I looked at these two that when I looked back at the lawn, the guy just wasn't there anymore. He just disappeared within such a short time that it seemed impossible. I was pretty shaken up myself by looking at how petrified the little girl was, but I got up and went into the lawn looking for the guy. I mean, it made no sense how first he was acting so strange and then just completely vanished into thin air. Anyway, when I looked back at the entrance, I saw my friend's mum coming out, and while I was looking at her and searching my pocket for the car keys, I got a tap on the shoulder which almost made me jump. It was the gardener who must have realized that he'd scared me, so he chuckled a little bit, and then without me saying a word, he just said, Hey, uh, don't worry about the man. He just comes and goes. Sometimes scares the patients here. Not on purpose, but what can I say? Some are just rather sensitive. And then he looked over my shoulder and gave my friend's mum a warm smile and turned around. I was just too shaken up to even find the words to explain what happened to her on our way back. I'm staying at this Airbnb currently for a total of eight days, five down and three to go. Due to the fact that I'm moving states and have spent almost all of my savings on moving vehicle rentals, a vehicle registration and an apartment down deposit and rent, I needed to be quite frugal and where I stayed before my apartment became available. I wasn't expecting glamour within this cheap Airbnb but I also wasn't expecting my experience thus far. I am no skeptic to the paranormal, I'll be honest. I've had my fair share of experiences for sure. In fact, perhaps you've heard some of my other stories. I've done a lot of research on surrounding places that I've been and mostly blame my travels for my interest in these topics. But despite this, I've never had such a just horrible, terrible, off-putting and malicious experience ever. So the Airbnb, it's in a neighborhood that's rather woodsy. It's a studio-ish apartment with a separating wall to make somewhat of a bedroom. It's on the same block that the train tracks run through, above your head. The bridge goes over the street out front, so the train is really loud. But the first thing that I noticed was just really bad luck and lots of it. Before I got to the Airbnb, but after I'd reserved it, that's when it all began. For instance, the job that I'd lined up actually fell through... Then, five interviews later, I've still got no job. Not to boast, but I interview pretty well. I'm a pretty well-kept person, and my interviews have gone pretty well. My vehicle, a 2018 model, is having mechanical issues all of a sudden. Luckily, it's under warranty, but still. My dog, who was staying at my parents' house, needed surgery two days ago, and the apartment complex pushed my tenancy a week due to repairs at the very last minute, hence the Airbnb. Secondly, I have insomnia that I manage well, but I'm no good at sleeping through the night or falling asleep in the first place. But here, when I go to bed, this sort of, I don't know how to explain it, but fog seems to fall over me and I fall asleep almost instantly. While I'm asleep, I'm cognitively aware that I am in fact asleep, but I feel like I'm lucid dreaming and have strange dreams of the walls falling to the ground, leaving me laying surrounded by the furniture in a really strange forest. Strangely too, the other houses are gone in this dream, but the train is still there. It feels really dark and intimidating when I'm sleeping too. And sometimes there's a, a dark cloud above me just hovering inches from my head. And third, activity experiences, events, whatever you want to call them. For instance, the floors creak when you walk, but they've been creaking when I'm not walking though too. The bedroom window opened by itself one night while I was sleeping. I can also feel 
someone behind me while I'm cooking and have my back to the room, but the absolute worst part of it all, the totally unexplainable to me, is that I've been touched, and not softly. The first time was on my right leg just above my knee. It was actually broad daylight, and I was folding laundry while standing next to the bed. I heard the creaking-like footsteps that I mentioned before, and I ignored it. Then it happened again, only louder this time. I ignored it again. The floor creaked again, and then it happened. It felt like a, a fast, hard pressure above my knee, and it scared the absolute life out of me. I actually audibly yelped, and I had no idea what had just happened. That is, until I looked at it when I took my jeans off that night. It was a clear handprint consisting of a thumb and two fingers. I've also been touched two other times at this point, and it's been five days here. These instances, too, have also left bruises on my other leg. I uh, don't have the money to rent a different place for these last few days. I just have to wait this out, I think, but I don't know what to do. This feels just very different than any other experience I've ever had, and I'm thoroughly not okay with it. I'm really at a loss at how to face this, and if you guys have any ideas for me, then please let me know in the comments below. This happened about 15 years ago, but to this day, I still cannot live on the ground floor of a building. When I was 15, I was staying at my mum's house for the weekend. But my parents are divorced, so it was just me and her. It was about 12.30 in the morning, I'd say, and I was just chilling in the living room watching TV while my mum was asleep. The living room had two windows that faced the front yard, and I often left the curtains open as the house was set back from the road. My mum's house was not in the best part of town, but I'd always felt relatively safe there. While I was watching TV in my pajamas, I saw movement out of the corner of my eye, though, from the window that was closest to me. It was only about four feet away, and it was only just for a second, but I turned and looked out the window, and a man's face was staring right back at me, smiling the most hideous grin that I had ever seen. I was frozen and for about 20 seconds just sat there with my eyes locked on his. Suddenly my panic set in and I leapt up from the sofa and tried to run to my mum. I slammed my leg right above my knee into the wooden coffee table and fell to the ground, my leg feeling like it was jelly all of a sudden. I scrambled up and shouted for my mum. My mum came running down half asleep wondering what the heck was wrong. I started stammering that somebody was at the window watching me. Just as my mum was starting to realise what I was saying, we both heard someone attempting to open the front door to the house. Me and my mum both stood still, thanking the stars that it was double locked. But then when it stopped, my mother looked horribly grave and just whispered, the back door. She turned and bolted through the house, scrambling to turn the deadbolt on the back door in the kitchen, and then she backed away. She then ran to her room and pulled a baseball bat from beneath her bed that I knew that she had kept there because she was a woman living alone. Frantically, she asked me to call the police, which I did, whispering to the operator that somebody was trying to get into my house. We then saw a shadow approach the back door quickly and trying desperately to open the door, kicking and grunting while they were trying to get in. My mother then shouted, I have a bat and I'll kill you if you try to get into this house. We've called the police and they're on their way person on the other side stopped and was still for about 30 seconds before turning and running away. My mum and I just sort of stood in the middle of the kitchen for the 20 minutes it took for the police to actually get to us. The whole time my mother had the bat raised and ready to strike. When the police finally came they looked around the house. They found that the flowers outside the window were trampled and there were several cigarette butts on the ground outside the window where I saw the man. Mind you, nobody in this house smokes and the police assumed that he had been there for a while. They didn't find him and they took my description, but we never heard anything more about it. Mama moved away from that house a year later, even though we 
never had another incident. I now live in another country with my husband who wonders why I have no desire to own a house and love living in high-rise apartments. These days I also pay for state-of-the-art home security and I always have a baseball bat in my closet, just like my mum. I have no idea what would have happened if my mother had not realised the back door was unlocked and had beaten the man to it. Or if for some reason my mother wasn't there that night and she worked late or something. I don't know if the man thought that he could just overpower two women alone or if he was just trying to scare us. I don't know what his intentions were but whatever that man had planned, I pray that he didn't find somebody else who forgot to lock that back door. Around 10 years ago, I had gone on a short hike in the Green Mountain National Forest in Vermont, around the base of Mount Glastonbury. It was just a short day hike that I had planned to find the old railroad bed and check out the remains of the old ghost town there from the 19th century. I had gone before with a group of people and it was a beautiful hike with water and culminates with a great view of the area from an old fire tower. Thankfully, I wasn't completely alone and had brought my dog, Beeb, a three-year-old Rottweiler, with me. She was good company too for a trip like this, and I was glad to have her along. So I parked on an old logging road and found the path of the trail that would take me to the abandoned railroad bed that is now buried deep in the woods. I was a mile or two in and almost to the railroad bed when I heard something. It was a uh, whistling, the kind someone would use to call a dog. Instantly, Beeb looked up and tried to bolt to the right of the trail where the sound was coming from. Luckily, I had a good hold on her leash and stopped her from running off. She barked in the direction of the whistling, but I got her to sit and the whistling stopped. Perplexed though now, I had a strange feeling. Even though I couldn't see who was whistling, it just felt like it was directed towards me, and somebody had tried to separate me from her. I wasn't sure what to do, but after a minute or two of no sounds, I dismissed it as just a coincidence and I continued on our walk. Not even ten steps later, though, I heard a woman's voice from the other side of the trail. Hello? Come here. We're just off the trail. And I heard what sounded like the playful laughter of another woman. The tone of the calls were playful, almost seductive. Hello? Come down here. What's your name? I was curious and even a little intrigued to check it out. The voice was very pleasant, but... After a split second, I stopped myself from moving. Looking to the left where the voices were coming from, I could almost see a path through the trees, down the ridge, a perfectly straight line. But all of a sudden, there was just no noise, not even the rustling of leaves or the chirping of birds. It was dead silent. It was at this moment, too, that I started to feel lightheaded and really confused. Beeb barked again and I snapped out of it, a feeling of complete dread then just overtook me. I reached into my pocket and pulled the Ruger I had in my pocket holster out and held the pistol to my side and clicked the safety off. But as soon as I did that, I began to hear things again. The rustling sound of leaves, birds tweeting, just everything came back to life. And looking to the left again, the path that I had just seen before was now gone. After that, I decided to end my hike and we booked it back to the car with that incident. But the strangest thing was yet to come. When I got back to my car and drove off the mountain and had cell phone service again, my phone had been blown up with missed messages from my girlfriend and brother asking where I was and why I wasn't back yet. I was kind of confused by this, but I checked the time on my phone and... It was 4pm. I had started my hike around 8am, which means that I'd been gone for 8 hours and could only account for maybe a couple of hours. To this day, I still have no explanation of what happened and I just scratch my head at it all. I also don't hike anymore either. and Instead, I just took up some golf.
This happened at my college years back now. I went to a college that was integrated into a big city. So even though there was a campus, there were plenty of shops, back streets, public transport, and just regular people walking around. I was a part of a club that went late into the night, and I usually only stayed till about 9 or 9.30, and would then leave, usually with a friend too. The club was in the center of campus, while I lived east of it, so it was about a 15 to 20 minute walk. And this particular night was a foggy late fall, early winter night. My friend left early because they weren't feeling very well and I ended up staying late and began my walk close to 10.30. I started walking down a back street that was quiet but then right to my dorm. And it was only a few minutes later that I heard footsteps somewhere behind me. I stopped thinking it was a jogger and moved to the side to let them pass but then I noticed that there was no one coming and the footsteps had stopped. I watched for a little bit sort of weirded out but in the end I just sort of shrugged it off and I started walking again then the footsteps started up again I stopped and it stopped I started to get a bad gut feeling and I quickly walked to the side street that connected the back street to a bigger main street this street had a lot of lights plenty of cars and still a good number of people in it I walked back to my dorm from there and the next morning I woke up and checked my emails one of them was from the campus alert system too, because apparently an hour after I'd got back to the dorm, someone was stabbed on that back street. The victim was rushed to the hospital and survived, thankfully, saying that the perpetrator followed them down the back street before just stabbing them. Sadly too, the perpetrator was never actually caught, but I have no doubt in my mind that that was the person who was trying to follow me. I'm just really glad that I trusted my gut that night. And after that, I always made sure to never stay at the club past 9.30 and to always leave with someone who was at least walking in the same direction as me. This happened to me a few years ago, probably around mid-July of 2017, I would say. So, it must have been like 2am, I think, and in bed sleeping when all of a sudden I just woke up. The room was completely dark except for some moonlight coming in through the window and I got up to look for my phone and check the time. I turn my head towards the window and in front of it I see this black figure just standing there and occasionally moving its arms slightly just like when an ordinary person will stand still and well move their arms. I looked at it for about 5 seconds and then pretended to go back to sleep covering my head with my blankets and going into a fetal position as I started to shake and sweat cold. I peeked out of the blanket every 30 minutes or so to see if it was still there and it just kept standing there where it was when I first saw it. Then after like 4 hours of this I would say I saw a light turning on in the corridor that brings to my room and I just rushed for it thinking it was my dad getting ready to leave for work. Thinking about it now, I don't really remember seeing anyone, and that's pretty freaky too, but I just stayed up for the rest of the night, sending messages to one of my friends on Discord, but he obviously didn't believe me. This happened two more times over the span of about five months, and each time too, it got closer and closer to my bed. The second time, it was almost identical to the first, but it vanished after around an hour, and the third time, I kind of got used to seeing it because I knew it wouldn't hurt me, but obviously it still scared me a lot. The scariest thing about this one encounter, though, was that it was so close that I could hear it breathe. And it sounded like when you breathe with your mouth while showing your teeth, and it sounded like really angry, maybe. But before you ask, no, it wasn't a hat man, it was just a figure. Nothing horrible happened to me in the dates following the events, and no, it definitely wasn't sleep paralysis. I could move freely and as much as I wanted. But what do you guys think? Do any of you guys have any experiences with anything like this? What was it, and do I need to be worried? In 2012, I was 11, soon to be turning 12, 
and my family had gone to Brighton, England, to see the rest of the pack. I live in Ireland, so it's a short and easy journey over, and we did it quite often, sometimes two or three times a year, in fact. Therefore, my sister and I were pretty familiar with Brighton and its streets. Now, one day, my sister and I met up with our cousins, both girls. Well, my sister was the oldest, about 14 at the time, then my older cousin, who was 13, I was 11, and my youngest cousin was 10. So, we were all pretty young. But we decided to go for a quick walk from my auntie's house to go to the corner shop. It would have been about maybe five minutes from the house, so not far at all. It was the middle of the day and my parents had no issue with us doing something as innocent as going to the corner shop like that. So we make our way down and we buy our goods. Can't beat a good dib-dab on a hot day. We left the shop and we're hanging about outside it. Eager to eat our sweets before we got home so we didn't get shouted at. And this was when we were approached by a man. My memory of what he looked like is a bit hazy, but I recall him being around 60 years old, white hair, slightly stooped over. I remember him hanging back away from us, watching from a nearby alley. My cousins and I were young, and we just thought that it was funny. Something embarrassing and laughable, maybe. We start walking away when... We notice him out of the corner of our eyes. Again, we sort of found this funny. I don't ever recall being educated on the risks of stranger danger in school or anything. This was just something that I would have laughed at, in fact. But slowly, he started catching up to us. We just thought that this was a big game, in fact. These days, I could smack my 11-year-old self for this, for being just so immature and stupid. But the corner shop that we were originally at was near a roundabout and a shopping centre. So we began crossing the road at the roundabout. We did this several times just to see if he would follow us still and he did. We got to the car park of the shopping centre and he approached us. Now he was within talking distance, like the distance between you and a friend. And he was muttering incessantly under his breath. I couldn't exactly make out what he was saying, but I do recall hearing some small words, such as swine and some expletives. And this was when our giggles got a lot quieter. Now, Brighton is a, a slightly rife with issues to do with mental illness and addiction. It has a high homelessness rate, in fact, and even at 11, I understood this. The auntie that I'd been staying with at the time was or is a psychiatric nurse and she was inundated with clients and patients from Brighton. When he approached us and broke that intimate or invisible bubble that set social expectations and normality, I immediately got a chill. This small interaction in body language seems tiny and superficial, I know, but anyone that's been in a bad situation knows exactly what I mean by that weight that suddenly falls on your chest, full of foreboding and dread. It's sort of difficult to exactly define it, but needless to say, it terrified me. I think my sister and my cousins got this feeling as soon as I did too. It wasn't playtime anymore or mockery. This was turning into a bad situation. I don't know what it was, but I just knew that we had to leave as well, and we left quickly. We started to walk away from this man without uttering a word to each other, because we all knew, I think. We walked quite fast and began to follow the road to the house. Of course, he followed us. This time, however, he was much quicker than last time. We were all genuinely scared. I mean, this man was following us, four blatantly young girls, and if he continued, he would also know where we were staying. And this was when a guardian angel in disguise swooped in to help us. It was very sudden, but my woman and her three children came out of a cafe on the other side of the road and ran across the road to our side. We then formed a sort of strange circle as we walked. Her children, who were the same age as us, it seemed, at the front, and me and my sister and my cousins in the middle, and this woman at the back. She ushered us along quickly and quietly and kept saying, keep walking until I say stop and don't look back man started losing sight of us soon and the woman walked us home. I think that he must have lost interest once he saw the woman and her band of tiny soldiers. 
But we got in the house terrified and shaken up, and the woman told my mum and my auntie what had happened. They were, naturally, petrified. It turns out that the woman had been watching the interaction from the cafe the entire time, from the corner shop to the car park. She said that this man was notorious for being a predator of miners, and that she recognised him as a well-known predator in Brighton. I don't really remember much after that, to be honest. Apart from my family being scared, that is. And I really don't know what would have happened if this woman hadn't have helped us. I mean, our immaturity and naivety could have seriously harmed us that day for sure. But if I could meet this unnamed heroine again, I would thank her profusely. Now at 19, I recognize this man as someone who probably had issues with mental illness or addictions. And I truly do hope that he's not causing himself or others, especially minors, any harm. About 20 years ago, my parents moved back to my mum's childhood home in northern Michigan, shortly after my older sister was born. Six years later, I was born. My sister, her name is Lila, is now 21 and I'm 15. My sister and I have always been very close, and growing up she took care of me pretty often. In fact, because of this, I still consider her one of my primary caretakers. Here is some info about the house, though. It is nearly surrounded by a lush forest, and we have a very large backyard. We have a long driveway that leads up to our road. On the road, there is a sort of medium-sized cemetery with graves dating back to the early 1800s, as well as many unmarked graves. Both my sister and I would actually take regular walks up to the cemetery as kids. It was a very short walk that takes less than five minutes, so it's not too far. Anyway, here's the actual story now that that background info is done. So a few years after my parents settled down in our current home, my sister was a toddler at the time and I wasn't even born yet, my sister began speaking to an imaginary friend named Bobby. My mum would find my sister outside, giggling and talking to herself, and when asked who she was talking to, my sister told my parents that her friend's name was Bobby. My parents believed that it was simply an imaginary friend, which was very common to have around that age. But flash forward to a few years later, my sister was approximately eight or nine years old, and I was a toddler now. I was a very energetic, curious child, and I would very often walk around the neighborhood while my mum was asleep. I was almost always playing outside or trying to go out on some sort of an adventure. And it was like any other day when I was out playing in the yard. My mum came and checked on me and she found me giggling to myself and talking out loud. She asked who I was talking to and I told her it was my friend, Bobby. She immediately remembered my sister's imaginary friend a few years prior who had the same name. My mother, being a superstitious Christian, picked me up and commanded Bobby to leave. She respectfully told me that he was not welcome at her home. And after that, I just stopped talking to Bobby. Some years later, my mum and I were casually discussing my childhood when this came up. I personally had very little recollection of Bobby and only vaguely remembered having an imaginary friend. To this day, I am incredibly fascinated and perplexed by what my mum told me though. My older sister can actually still recall her walks in the cemetery and her imaginary friend. But I believe that this is an instance of children and their ability to accept reality as it is without questioning it. I would like to think Bobby was just a, a lonely soul who found joy in playing with my sister and I. But I don't really know. But please feel free though to share your own theories, possible explanations for this strange occurrence. And thank you for listening. This literally just happened. I'll try to keep this as short and organized as I can, but I apologize if neither of those two things happen. I'm pretty shook up. So I'm a 29-year-old female, and my partner is a 23-year-old female. We're back in her hometown visiting her family for about a week. It's a very small and isolated town in pretty much the middle of nowhere, and basically in the middle of the woods. But while we were here... She wanted to meet up with old high school friends who still live in the area and whatnot. 
One of them, his name is Kyle. So we meet Kyle at the beach and right away he's acting just super weird. Making jokes about having a three-way with us and just making a bunch of really unwelcome and overly sexual gross comments about us. Obviously, we're unfortunately used to this stuff to a certain extent, but coming from someone who was supposed to be a good friend, it was really extra annoying. So, me and my girlfriend are shooting each other panicked looks the whole time. But once he's out of earshot for a second, she says that she's sorry, that he's never been like this before, and we can make an excuse to leave. When he comes back, we tell him that we want to go get dinner at a local bar, but he just asks if he can join us. We felt awkward, so in the end, we just end up saying yes. He says that he doesn't know quite how to get there, so he follows us. We get there, order drinks and food, and then head out to the patio with the drinks. He makes a few more gross comments, but is generally being way more cool and normal than he was at the beach. We're having a smoke on the patio and chilling, and the food comes quick, and we finish it even quicker. But now, here's where it gets just really messed up. So, halfway through my first drink, I'm feeling really tired, which makes sense as we've had a long day. I give my girlfriend the signal that I want to go. She makes an excuse that we need to go and he keeps trying to get us to come to his house. I've got good weed and dabs there and you can meet my cats and blah blah blah. He's being really pushy to be honest. But we keep saying no and making excuses. Like we need to check on our grandpa or stuff like that. So finally we just end up getting in the car and say goodnight we park next to each other and walk up and into the cars together while saying our goodbyes. When we got into the car, my girlfriend informs me that she wants to stay at the bar but fake it like we're leaving because she doesn't want to chill with him anymore, understandably too. So we're sitting in the car waiting for him to leave first when he signals for us to roll down the window. We do and he says that his GPS is being funny and can we lead him to the main road? To be fair too, we are in the middle of nowhere, so this didn't seem too outlandish. So obviously, staying behind at the bar was out. In the car, we're talking about how pushy he was being, and she admitted that she feels weird driving back to her grandpa's house now. And so instead, we agreed that we should drive into town until we lose him. He's behind us for a long time, even way after he should have gotten off of his exit. We think it's weird, but... We're not sure what to do at this point. So finally, we get onto a two-lane road and he pulls up next to us and he's waving a phone, which is clearly my girlfriend's phone in the window. We pull over. He gives her the phone back, chats for just a few seconds and then leaves in a hurry. But here's the part that makes my skin crawl. We know that she had her phone. I saw her put it in her fanny pack, which was on the table, along with my phone and her weed. A few minutes before we left the bar, in fact, as we were preparing to leave. She didn't take it back out. There's literally no way that she could have left it at the bar or anything. More importantly, he got in his car and left the bar at the same time as us, meaning that he had to have already had the phone when we were leaving. It's not like we left the bar first and he saw it left on the table or something. He literally had to have been walking to the cars with us and calmly saying goodnight with the phone already in his possession. Now, the kicker, apparently, unbeknownst to me, my girlfriend had tasted a very weird bitter taste in a straw at the bar and was already very suspicious, especially with how he'd been acting. This is why she wanted to stay back at the bar to get away from him and stay in the public where she felt it was safer. So, when he walked up to the car to return her cell phone, she very casually and deliberately flashed the knife that she had kept for protection in her jacket. I didn't know at the time that she had done this, but that's why he had left so quickly, allegedly. Obviously, I was annoyed with her for not telling me her suspicions sooner, but she just didn't want me to panic. But I must admit that I'm really shaken up by this. A few things are clear, for sure. One, he stole my girlfriend's phone, and it seems like he did this so that we would be forced to pull over on the dark road in the middle of nowhere. 
Secondly, he quickly ended the conversation and left when my girlfriend flashed a knife. They've been good friends for almost 10 years now. If he wasn't planning on doing something malicious in the first place, I feel like he would have acted maybe confused about the knife or something. Or said something like, wow, why would you flash a knife at me like that? What is this, a bad movie or something? But instead, he just booked it. Which tells me that he knew exactly what she was doing. Reacting to a threat and preparing to protect herself and me. And thirdly, he probably spiked our drinks by the looks of things. My girlfriend noticed a weird taste in her straw right away and chose not to finish her drink. I finished half my drink and I instantly felt very tired. A few more things too. I just don't know how he managed to nab the phone without us knowing or noticing. It just doesn't really make much sense, but somehow he did. Me and my girlfriend both remember her putting it in her fanny pack perfectly. We also have no idea how he could have spiked our drinks unless maybe he was working with the bartender. But we were the ones that suggested that bar. I don't know exactly how he did it, but I think that I know why. And for that reason, my girlfriend's now ex-friend who made creepy sexual comments probably tried to drug us and stole her phone in order to get us alone on a dark road. We will not ever be seeing you again. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.